Let's take our Bibles together, and you can turn in your Bible to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Last week, we began looking at the ministry of Jesus to his disciples in the first five verses of chapter 13, where we saw a very clear demonstration of love and service. You know, that's what all of God's church is called to, to love and serve. God wants to strengthen us with His Word by the work of His Spirit as His church to love and serve one another. And He is all about doing that work. And all believers in Jesus are to learn from His example, the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, and from His Word that we have before us, and I hope you hold in your hands this morning, to love and serve one another. Today we continue, we're going to pick up in verse 6, and we're going to see the exchange that Jesus had with Peter. Uh, Jesus was washing the disciples' feet, and when he got to Peter, there was an exchange, and as he was washing the feet of the disciples, Peter stopped him. But I want to start reading at verse 1. So our study is going to be through uh, verses 6 through 11, but let's begin reading at verse 1 for the sake of the context here so we'll, we'll understand what's going on. Follow along as I read John 13, verses 1 through 11, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, John 13, 1. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin And began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. So here we find Jesus ministering to the disciples. And today we come to the portion of this passage beginning in verse 6 where we see the exchange that Jesus had with Peter. And this is an exchange that confronts believers where we are often found in need of being confronted, in need of growth. This is also an exchange that confronts unbelievers with their need of faith in Jesus Christ. But first, there's a challenge given specifically here to Peter. 
And though this is directed to Peter, it is instructive to all of his disciples on that day. All of those who were in the room on that day needed to hear this. And in fact, this is recorded for us in John's Gospel because all of God's children, all believers in Jesus today need to hear this challenge. And then there's a challenge to unbelievers. So there's a challenge to believers, there's a challenge specifically to Peter here, which translates into a challenge to all believers. But then there's a challenge given to unbelievers because as we see in verse 11, they still had an unbeliever in their midst. And the challenge given is still the challenge for unbelievers today. So what was so important that Jesus made a point of instructing his disciples if you think about it, with the, with the short time that Jesus had before His crucifixion, if we keep reading, we realize we're close to the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. What was so important that Jesus took this time that He had when His time was so short before uh, His death with His disciples? We, we begin to see what Jesus believes is so important in the challenge that Jesus gives to Peter's objection in verse 6 as Jesus is preparing to wash his feet. Verse 6 says, look at it again. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? It's as though Peter was saying, no, 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 stop. What are you doing? No, no, you can't wash my feet. Don't, Don't wash my feet. You shouldn't do that. At first, when you see this, this looks like humility On Peter's part, it looks like humility, and in some measure it is. But is there true humility if you're objecting to the will of Jesus, God in human flesh? The answer is obviously no. No, true humility would have shown itself by its obedience As one commentator says, until a man renounce the liberty of judging as to the works of God, whatever exertions he may make to honor God, still pride will always lurk under the garb of humility. You are not humbling yourself before the Lord if you're still guilty of judging the Lord's actions. So Peter's pride needed to be challenged. Peter's pride needed to be corrected. And listen, people, our pride. Our pride needs to be challenged. Our pride needs to be corrected. And you say, What pride are you talking about? I would suggest that if you'll pay attention to your thoughts and your words and your actions in the week ahead, you may find yourself judging God's actions. You may find yourself questioning why God does what He does or why God doesn't do what He doesn't do. How do you do that? You might wonder, oh, well, how do I do that? How, do I, how am I going to be finding myself doing that? You do it by failing to believe God's Word. You do it by failing to obey God's Word. 
So how does Jesus challenge Peter's pride and our pride here? Look again at verse 7. Jesus answered him, What I am doing, you do not understand now. Do you ever find yourself there wondering, what is God doing? If you have faith and you believe God's Word, that God is in control, you might be guilty of suggesting, God, what are you doing? We're questioning, what's God doing? I don't understand. I don't know. Peter didn't know. Peter didn't understand what the Lord was doing. The Lord Jesus Christ was doing and serving him and the other disciples and loving them like he did. But Jesus says, but afterward you will understand. If Peter had true humility before the Lord Jesus Christ, he would have simply obeyed. He would have simply allowed Jesus to wash his feet. But Peter objected to Jesus' action of washing his feet. The trouble was that he didn't understand yet what Jesus was trying to teach him. And Jesus was certainly teaching him, teaching the others, teaching us in his word. That's our trouble too. When we object to what God is doing, we do it when we fail to obey God's word. We do it when we fail to have faith in God's promises. We do it when we should be obeying and loving and serving. Instead, we want more information. We do it when we say, I know what God's Word says, but... Shame on us when we say that. Shame on us when we live like that. I know what God's Word says, but... I think I know better, we say, with our lives, with our, with our feet, with our actions. Sometimes we say it with our words. We say it in our hearts, in our minds at times. I know better. I'm going to do my own thing. Why obey God's word? It doesn't look right in this situation. I don't think that's going to work in this instance. We think, please explain yourself, God. Please help us understand better what's going on. What are you doing? Instead of simply obeying That's where we need to get, church. That's where we need to come. God wants to come to the point of maturity where we will humble ourselves before His Word and trust Him in every area of our life that we will not object when we know what God's Word says we should do, when we're certain we should take a step of obedience, we take it. But we think we know better at times, don't we? Peter thought he knew better. He didn't. And Jesus corrected him. What Jesus teaches and what God expects is simple obedience, simple faith. We tried to teach our children this when, when they were youngsters. In fact, we considered it a part of helping them understand the way God works by helping them learn how to obey their parents. And so we taught them that we weren't going to tell them to do things twice. And I learned after a while that sometimes I had to ask them, what did I just say? I'm going to tell you what to do. Now now repeat to me what I just said so you can't come back to me later and say, I didn't understand. <laughs> but if you, if you don't obey, we're, there are going to be consequences because we love you and you need to learn to obey, not just your parents, but you need to learn to obey God. 
And it begins when you're a child. And for believers, it begins, especially when you put your faith and trust in Christ. If you trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you begin learning to trust God from the day you put your faith in Him through your faith in Jesus Christ, and you never stop learning. You're going to keep learning to trust God, believers. You need to keep learning to trust the Lord. And what Jesus teaches and God expects of us is simple obedience. It is what is best for us. God knows what is best for us. He has given us His Word. He has given us His promises. He has shown us who He is. And yet we neglect His promises. We neglect His Word. And yet, we need to understand, even though He's made Himself known in His Word, we don't have to see and know everything to live by faith in God. We don't have to see and understand and know everything to live by faith in His Word. We're reminded by 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, God wants you to know His promises. He, he wants you to know His commands. He wants he, you to know what He expects of you. And so He gives you His Word. And so Believers, read the Bible every day. Read it for yourself so that you will know God and you will know what He expects of you. But you don't have to totally understand everything you read to simply obey and honor God with your obedience and find His blessing and joy and peace that passes all understanding. Understanding you don't have sometimes in all that you do and all that you face. And simple faith is faith that believes. Simple faith is faith that trusts and obeys God when it doesn't have the answers, when it doesn't understand. Hebrews 11.1 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. That hoped for is a certainty. When you look to God's Word and you look to God, you know His promises are certain. So you, you look forward to those. You hope for them. It's not an I hope so faith, it's an I know so faith. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You're certain in your hope because God is certain in His promises. He carries out what He promises. And so you have a conviction to believe and obey God even in the things you don't see and understand in what he is doing. But failing to have faith at all times is not an uncommon problem. You realize that, don't you? It's not an uncommon problem. You ever feel like you don't learn as quickly as you should? Join the club. <laughs> if uh, my children have heard me say over the years when they were at home, um, they would say, I've probably said this 10,000 times. Don't do this. Do this. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Don't do this. Do this. Ask me how I know. I was talking to my youngest son not long ago, and it warmed my heart and encouraged me when he said, if you have any advice for me on this thing that we were talking about. I'm all ears. I want you to give it to me because I want your wisdom. I don't want to make the mistakes that you have made. (laughs) And I was like, praise the Lord for a young man who loves the Lord 
and wants the advice of his father. I praise God for that. We all need that before God. We all need that before his word. God, if you have something for me, I'm all ears. I don't want to make mistakes. I want to honor you with my life. A simple faith is a faith that believes, trusts, and obeys God when it doesn't have the answers. Well, if you feel like you have a hard time learning as quickly as you should, you're in good company. Peter still didn't get it. Even after Jesus started to correct him, he still didn't get it. So he, he challenges Jesus. Again, verse 8, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Now, we might have been able to cut Peter a little bit of slack at first, <laughs> but... But now, even after being corrected by Jesus, he still resists. And he still insists against Jesus washing his feet. Peter may have been objecting for the right reasons in his mind, and you might do that too. In your mind, you think, I have all the reason in the world to object to doing that thing because I don't think that's going to work in this situation. And Peter might have been able to reason away what he was saying in his mind. This is my Lord and my Master. He should never be washing my feet. But resisting the Lord's will is never the right thing to do. Resisting God's word is never the right thing to do. Never. Had Peter had full reverence for Christ, he would have yielded without question. Had he truly been humble before the Lord Jesus Christ, he would have yielded without questioning him. But Peter's still dealing with the naturally stubborn and sinful flesh, isn't he? And you know what that's like too. You and I both know what it is to stubbornly deal with this sinful flesh of ours. We face in this world, if you're, even if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you still face temptation from the world, the devil, and the flesh. Your flesh doesn't need any of the devil's help at all. We're still dealing with the old nature at times, aren't we? Even if we're putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we still have to deal with temptation. Not only do we resist at first, but we also resist when we're corrected. Of course, who likes to be corrected? Uh, Carolyn and I have this little joke in our house. Uh, We've got these devices that we tell things, you know, tell them to turn the lights on and tell them to turn the lights off. She says, please. She's so polite. I should have asked you if, I, if you were okay with me telling that. She's so polite. She's so polite. I'm like, I don't get to tell too many people what to do. I am not saying please and thank you to that piece of electronics. Do it. <laughs> when, when you come along and, and, you, and you're doing something and then somebody comes along and, and answers back and corrects you, You bristle, right? You want to give instruction. You want to give orders. You don't want to take instruction. You don't want to take orders. You don't want to be told what to do. You don't want to be told that what you're doing is wrong. Aren't we like that? I wonder if that's why we don't read our Bibles as we should. Because we know we're going to find in God's Word a correction. We're going to be taught and trained and corrected in the way that we speak 
and think and behave. But oh, how we need God's Word and how we need to humble ourselves before Him. Look at the rest of verse 8. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Whoa. Whoa, this is serious. This is serious. If, you, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Well, Jesus has switched from speaking. You need to know this. Understand that Jesus has switched from speaking of washing feet to speaking of the cleansing of the soul. Jesus is talking about a spiritual cleansing here. Jesus is paint, uh, pointing to what Paul wrote to Titus about in Titus 3.5 when he spoke of Jesus saying, He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, not because of our humility, Peter, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, He saved us. We don't save ourselves. It may seem like a lowly thing to have Jesus wash your feet. And it may seem like a small thing to Peter to say, no, 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 not, not you, Lord. Don't do that. Don't wash my feet. But that would be losing sight of how Jesus and how, uh, how He would lower Himself, how He would totally and completely stoop to pay for your sin at Calvary. It's what we remembered at communion this morning. So Peter, Peter, if you would not have Jesus wash your feet, then you must not want His once and for all sacrifice for your sins. You must not want that miraculous cleansing that will be yours when Jesus goes to the cross to pay for your sins. Peter, you think your feet are dirty? Have you looked at your life? Have you looked at your soul? Now, Jesus finally has Peter's attention. So look at Peter's response. Verse 9, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. You get the idea that Peter wanted a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't want to be left without Christ. Now we see here a shocked Peter understands what's at stake if he resists Jesus. To have no share with Christ would mean he'd not belong to Christ. There'd be no salvation from sin for Peter. And Peter wanted a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. He had even admitted there was nowhere else to go but to Jesus when he says this back in John 6, verses 68 and 69, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Man, chapter 6, Peter seems like he's got it all figured out spiritually. But here we are in chapter 13, and it seems like he's missing something, doesn't it? You know how that seems familiar to us, because that's us. 
There are times when we might think, I've got it all figured out spiritually. And then we give in to temptation. Where we say what we ought not say. And we sin against God and against others. We think what we ought not think. And we sin against God and we sin against others. And we're caught up short. It's why before communion we stop and silently pray, examining our own hearts. Are there unconfessed sins in our lives that we may need to make right with God before we partake of the Lord's Supper? So Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Back from chapter 6, he says here in chapter 13, cleanse all all of me, Lord. Then clean all of me. Make all of me clean. But now in verse 10, Jesus gives a second challenge to Peter. And and what he needs isn't the washing away of sins at salvation. Peter already believes in Jesus, and Jesus is about to pay for his sins on the cross. As a believer, he doesn't need the washing of sins. So now Jesus speaks of the foot washing in a figurative sense. Look at verse 10. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean. You are clean. He knows Peter believes in him. And yet he's not fully mature, is he? He still needs correction. He still needs instruction. So do we. The idea here is that all who trust Christ are wholly cleansed and saved. Completely. But in another sense, at salvation, there begins an ongoing work of cleansing. There begins an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. At salvation, God saves you completely and totally. He will never let you go. You are saved. You are His. And yet... At salvation, God begins a work of continually cleansing the believer. For here the picture was the feet. The believer doesn't need to have his sins paid for again and again every time he sins. No, if you're a believer and you sin, you go to God and repent and thank Him for the forgiveness that's already yours. You don't need to ask Him to forgive you. You're forgiven in Christ. If your faith is in Him and you've sinned against Him, you go and you say, I confess that. I have sinned. God, thank You for forgiving me. Help me not to do that again. And God does that through the work of His Spirit with the Word of truth. God gives you an ongoing cleansing, ongoing renewal with the Word of truth by the work of the Spirit. Romans 10.17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. You need more faith. That's why you need more Bible. So as Peter and the disciples learned that day, the believer is wholly saved from sin's penalty. Praise God. But that's not a license to go on sinning. And because it's not a license to go on sinning, and because God doesn't want believers to go on sinning, and because He wants believers to learn to love and serve each other, there's an ongoing work of God 
that he intends to do in the life of every believer with the Word of God by the power of his Spirit at work in his children. That's ongoing work here that we're seeing Jesus point to. That ongoing work is the work of making the believer more like Jesus. How was Jesus? What what did He do? He came and He lived a sinless life. God wants us closer to that. He wants us to walk with Christ in obedience. He wants us to stop sinning. Stop being led away by a lack of faith. And the believer at salvation is made new in Christ, yes, but still, figuratively, needs his feet washed. He, he figuratively needs his spiritual feet washed. You see, the believer actually still needs the ongoing work of the Word. I trust that's why you gather on the Lord's Day. Because you know you still need the ongoing work of the Word. And you know that God's Word Commands, preach the Word, which we do. When we gather on the Lord's Day, we come to the Word to preach the Word. And God's people, I hope you gather because you know you need the ongoing work of the Word in your soul, in your life, spiritually, to help you grow into Christ's likeness and keep growing and keep maturing in Christ. And you know, I believe, and God's Word, I think, makes this clear, that true believers will want the ongoing work of the Spirit. You will want the ongoing work of the Word. You ought to pray for that. You ought to ask God to increase your hunger and thirst for righteousness found only by obedience to the Word of God. Now, I told you there was a challenge to unbelievers here, so here's a a second part of the challenge. There were two challenges to Peter here, and it's kind of a twofold challenge. That's the first part. Here's the second part of the challenge. It's one verse 10 touches on when Jesus says, You are clean, but not every one of you. So now we understand that Jesus was talking about the disciples. He's speaking of the 11 here when he says, You are clean. You have faith. You've trusted in me. You're trusting in me. And though Peter showed that he wasn't completely mature and he still needed to keep growing in Christ, Jesus assures him, you are clean. You and the others are clean, but but not all of you are clean. Not all are clean, says Jesus. This is a humbling call to examine yourself. Test yourself by the Word of God. Have you been cleansed by Christ? Have you surrendered your life to Christ? Have you believed in Jesus Christ for salvation? Ask yourself that question this morning. Have you trusted in Jesus for the cleansing of your sin? For the forgiveness of your sin? If so, praise God and begin yielding yourself to do God's will and yield yourself to being conformed to His Word. Yield yourself to serve Him daily. But examine yourself if you find yourself coming up short in that answer because a true believer will want the ongoing work of the Word of God and the Spirit of God shaping them in Christ's likeness. And a true believer 
will be convicted of sin in their life when they sin against God and will not want to keep running from the Lord. And a true believer will want to be with God's people and will want to talk to their Father in prayer. If you've not yet been convicted of your sin, you're like Judas. Judas, that day, was already thinking of betrayal. Jesus knew it. Jesus knew that he wasn't a believer. And here's Jesus confronting Judas and all unbelievers with the truth. If you've not yet been convicted of your sin, you've not yet seen your need to confess that you're a sinner, and you've not put your faith in Jesus alone for salvation, then you have an opportunity today. Judas had an opportunity in that day. You have an opportunity in this day to to turn to Jesus in faith and believe in Him now and trust in Him and be saved and cleansed and washed and kept for all eternity. And God will begin that work of washing your spiritual feet every day with the Word, by His Spirit, bringing you to maturity in Christ. Jesus didn't use His name here, but Judas knew He was being confronted. He was being confronted with another opportunity. He was being confronted with the truth. He may not have believed it. Obviously, he didn't. He resisted because he continued on this path of rebellion against God. Instead of yielding to Jesus, he hardened his heart and he continued on the course of scheming and betrayal And when you see that in the Word, take that as a warning. Don't be like Judas. Don't resist God's call on you today to repent of your sin and believe in Jesus for complete cleansing today. Don't reject Jesus. Receive Him by faith. Believe in Him for your salvation. It is a free gift from God. Peter and the other disciples needed to know that even though they were Christ's by faith, Jesus said, you're clean, but not all of you. Even though Peter and the other disciples knew that they were Christ's by faith, they they still needed to live by faith daily. They needed that correction that Peter got. They still needed to learn that they needed to keep looking to Christ. They needed to keep looking to God's Word as God worked in them by His Word and by His Spirit. They still needed that daily cleansing of the Word of God as they walked with Christ in faith and obedience. We noted it during communion this morning. Paul wrote of this kind of cleansing work of the Word of God that God's people receive when they walk in obedience to the Word. It's such an important passage. I want to read it again. Paul wrote and gave this charge, inspired by God. He gave this charge to husbands, but he uses the example of Jesus Christ in showing husbands on how they're to love their wives. And, and the example here of Jesus is the, is the love of Jesus for his church. Again, it's Ephesians 5, 25-27. Listen to it carefully. Husbands, love your wives. How? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, 
You see, God wants a pure church. He wants a holy people, a people who live in righteousness. Having cleansed her by the washing of water, how? With the Word, so that He might present the church to Himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Each of us must learn that true faith is submission to God. And that is what's best for you. Simply trusting, even if you do not understand. Even as Jesus said to the Father as He neared His crucifixion, not my will, but your will be done. God the Son says to God the Father, not my will, but your be done. Jesus was obedient even to the point of death. We were reminded of that wonderful act of obedience as we worshiped through the Lord's Supper this morning. So church, God's children, be grateful. Be thankful for Jesus' sacrifice for sinners. Believe in Him. Keep believing in Him. And then obey Him and seek to grow in your faith with your gratitude and the truth of God's Word energizing your obedience for God's glory. May we glorify God with our lives as His church, as God purifies His church with the Word. And praise God for Jesus Christ.